Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Continue where I left off this morning. Now, the problematic thing with this is, is that anybody that's ever done this knows that it's hard to capsulate what was happening in the moment. I was having second thoughts after noon and thought maybe we should have went on for another hour and then just dismissed church tonight. But uh, I thought kindly of you people. And uh, so if you'll help me, we'll try to find where the vein's at and prick right there, okay? Amen. And we're going to try to continue this evening. We'll get this thing finished. We'll get this thing done. And I will, to the best of my ability, real quick, quickly try to recap just a little bit for those who may not have been in here. Because I know it's like trying to open a book and start reading from the middle. And uh, sometimes that's difficult because as you go along, you start to maybe get an understanding what all took place. Amen. But I believe we can connect in the Spirit. It can happen. It can happen. So I am going then to springboard from the same setting of Scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And if you want to know everything that happened this morning, check the podcast in the next few days or if you don't have the ability to do that buy a CD or such if you're wagging your head when you leave here wondering what what happened 2nd Corinthians chapter number 6 I'm going to start with verse number 14 and read through 7 and verse 1 Bible says be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty chapter 7 and verse 1 having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of god amen tonight i'd just like to continue my subject matter from this morning and that is operation separation operation separation hallelujah i need you to help pray right now I know God hasn't changed, but there's different people and things. You've lived life for the past few, few hours. Just let's, let's just pray together right now. Lord Jesus, I come to you. God, I'm asking God that same, that very same spirit that met us, God, in this place this morning. God, meet us here again tonight. I pray, Lord, that I could, Lord, just render my vessel to you, God, again this evening. God, in a similar fashion, God, as I attempted to do this morning. I pray, oh God, let your people, Lord, make a connection with your spirit, God, as we endeavor, Lord, to go here again. God, and somehow just wade through the waters of your word. God, in your scripture. God, for in them, Lord Jesus, is a life, God, and we need some sustaining light, God, to be dispersed. God, in this place today, God, we'll thank you and we'll praise you and we'll admire you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated tonight. The lovely name of the Lord. I'm just going to hit the tops of the trees, okay? I'm not going to try to trim any bushes. I'm just hitting the tops of the trees here just for a little bit. This morning we started our study today concerning Operation Separation. We gave just a very brief little history and background for uh, the Apostle Paul in this letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. Uh, Corinth was, and you give my uh, genie or my uh, geology map here, uh, or geography rather, uh, our map here of Corinth. Uh, Corinth was a, a little town here that was, and let me get my pointer out because it just makes me feel so important. Uh, Corinth is this little place right here, uh, this small little bit of land that's between the Aegean Sea and the other sea over here. And as a result of being there, there were a lot of people uh, that would not travel around the whole Penelope's uh, part of the land, but they would go to that narrowest spot in the land, which was about three and a half miles wide, and they would, they would set their boats upon the land and they had even made a rock, a rock path that was made out of rocks so it would be easy uh, to push their boats across and sometimes even had logs because back in the pyramid times they even used logs on their sides and they would row their boats on logs across. But with this being the case, there was a lot of merchants, a lot of sellers, a lot of different nationalities and thus there were a lot of religions that uh, came to Corinth. And with that being the case, uh, Corinth wanted to be diverse if I could say. They want to be diverse and uh, if you were of a particular religion, they want to make sure they had a temple there for you that you could feel comfortable and you could feel at home and that you could worship your God in your fashion as you pass through there. And what it tended to give then was a society and an environment, a group of people that anything went. All were accepted. Uh, all were accepted. Whatever your lifestyle, whatever the way that you thought life should be lived, that was accepted. And that was Corinth. And so you could begin, already begin to understand the struggle that the Apostle Paul had whenever he established a church in a particular area where anything went. A place that was largely known for immorality, uh, known for wickedness, known to serve a multiplicity of gods. And it was all okay. There was no right, there was no wrong. It was all just this big gray area. And it was in this place, in this uh, particular city that the Apostle Paul ordained of God for the year and a half of ministry that he spent at Corinth establishes a church. Can you imagine? It would be like trying to establish a church today. And he's establishing a church at Corinth and these are new uh, believers, new babes in Christ, if you will. And so they are typical of any uh, new babe and believer in Christ. They still have some hang-ups. They still have a journey that's ahead of them. There's still the pull of the old world upon them. Everything around them is saying, you can do whatever you want. It does not matter. But uh, the, uh, the apostles' doctrine, Jesus Christ himself, the, the chief cornerstone is saying, this is the way that it is. And there is no admixture with this. There is no alloy with this. this this is pure, this is undulterated word of God. And so they were having a struggle. They were having a, quite a bit of a struggle, so much so that Paul issued his first letter there of 1 Corinthians to them and tried to give them heed and warning about their separation from the world around about them. He was trying to implore them and tell them, I understand that with every other temple that's littered among the masses and along the road and society, that it doesn't really matter. He says, but here it matters, this, this separation. This, and it, I, and I, I'm going to get here tonight, but I believe it's important to notice that Paul was talking to them about separation, not about isolation. He's talking to them about separation, the sanctification, being holy, set aside, if you will, a different. And so he's talking to them about this and, and they, they don't really heed to what he's saying because there's still immorality that's going on with those that are born again believers of the Corinthian church. They're still going headlong after those ways and those fashions. And, and so, man, I'm taking a long time and trying to paint a picture for where you're at here. But in all of this, he, he makes a call then in 2 Corinthians. After they didn't listen to 1 Corinthians, I'm coming with 2 Corinthians. And we'll try this thing again. And he writes another letter. And he's very emphatic in these verses. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He wasn't saying that just as a preventative type thing. He was saying that because that was already occurring in the church. 
And so he says, I, I want you all to be cautious. And he begins to ask some questions. I'm trying tonight. Oh, Lord, I hope we get done this evening. Amen. He begins to make some contrast of between the Corinthian church and unbelievers, between righteousness and unrighteousness, between Christ and Belial, which we learned this morning in reality is Satan, between the temple of God and that of idols, between light and darkness, all these contrasting things. And he's asking, how can these things coexist how can light and darkness cohabitate how can righteousness and unrighteousness if I could see be so blunt and say share the same bed and he says yet this is what you all have been trying to do he said but I've come to tell you that it cannot be done it's like trying to mix oil with water you can shake it it may appear as though it's working out but when everything settles he says it's still oil and water Someone say amen. amen. And so this is the background. This is Paul. He's dealing with them. He's calling them out to a place of separation, to a place of being different in conversation, in speech, in demeanor, in a walk, in a way of life. It's not a call just for that day and age. It's a call for our day and age. We learn that we were to be holy as the Lord was holy. And when we start talking about what about this difference? What type of difference is this God? We went to where Solomon was speaking in Old Testament Scripture in the Chronicles and how he said, there is none like thee, God. And if there was none like God, and God is the one that is holy, then there's not another holiness or separatedness like that God. It's so unique and by itself separated that there's not another that can even be bounced off as being even a close comparison to the way he is. Amen. Again, I got to get there. Everybody all right? Everybody already heard this morning. You okay? Thumbs up. So this is the Corinthian church. This is the Corinthian church. And so there is a great gulf, as we discovered in Luke 16. Just get the podcast. There is a great gulf, as viewed in Luke 16, between the rich man and Lazarus, a great gulf that is fixed between he and them. And that gulf, that separation, that great expanse should be there in our life before eternity gets here. All right? Remember, the only difference is after eternity, there cannot be a passing from hell to heaven than heaven to hell. But we have opportunity while we're still living on this earth. Although there's a great separation, there's still a passage of you can get out of church and go into the world. And I like the flip side of it though. You can get out of the world and come to the church. Amen. Separation's there. The difference is there will be no passages when you leave the earth. Eternity stamps it in. Do not pass anymore. Amen. And so with all this in mind tonight, here we are. We read and we concern here the, the Corinthian scripture that Paul, after his third visit, he took several visits to Corinth, but after his third visit to the, 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 the Corinthians there in that church, it is while he was there on his third visit that he began to pen an epistle an epistle to the Romans at Rome. It was during his third visit at the Corinthian church that he wrote the book of Romans. And I believe undoubtedly that some of the things that he pins in the book of Romans, because Corinth was a Roman colony, amen, so he was exposed to Romans even in the city of Corinth. But what he pinned to the Romans, believing that these people had exercised themselves toward wickedness the same way as they at Corinth, that I believe he used some of the material that he gathered from his exposure to Corinth, amen, to be able to write then to the Romans at the city of Rome. I believe he had uh, the Corinthian church as a basis of his subject matter, uh, material to preach from, if you will. You know how we sat down sometimes, we've done it sometimes, I sat down with people, you know, it might be before a service and they're talking about this, I said, oh boy, now I'm getting something to preach about, huh. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, I always joke about that. I never really just start taking notes and write it down for next Sunday, but maybe a month from now. But uh, regardless, I, I believe whenever, whenever the apostle was there that he started getting some preaching material. He started getting some writing material. And I want you to understand something. I believe this is important today. I believe that Paul began to learn some things even as an apostle of how to deal with the churches he, were, he was setting up. 
Because the Bible tells us in the first chapter of Romans, as he's writing to the Romans, he says, I long to see you. I long to come to you so that I might impart some spiritual gift unto you whereby ye may be established. I believe the apostle was starting to learn some things. Yes, he had been with the Corinthian church for a year and a half, but I wonder if he thought, man, I wonder if I should have spent a little bit more time because there were a lot of people there that were not yet established, steadfast, unmovable, feet set square where they believed and where they were in the doctrine. And he, so now he's pinning a letter to the Romans with experience in his past. And he says, I'd really like to come to you because we need to establish some things. Let me tell you, not only does it need to be established some things in the church, but there needs to be some things established in our personal lives. And there needs to be some things established in our families. And there needs to be some things established between parents and children and children and parents. So he implores, I wish I could come because he says, I understand what I'm dealing with. You look at Romans chapter number one and you begin to see some of the things that the apostle, I believe his subject matter from Corinthians, what he was dealing with. He began to talk about there were people that held the truth in unrighteousness. Amen. He began to talk about how there were some that were vain. Someone say vain. Vain in their imagination. He said there's some foolish hearts that are going to be darkened. He says there are some that have changed the uncorruptible image of God into a corruptible image, a four-footed beast. He said there's some that's dishonoring their own bodies. He said there's some, amen, they're women that's doing and changing their natural use. And likewise, men with men working that which is unseemly. I believe his subject matter to the Romans is what he learned from Corinthians. Vain imaginations. Dishonoring their bodies. Women leaving their natural use. Likewise men, men with men. Working that which is unseemly. <laughs> Don't you think our dear brother Paul didn't have something to say then to the Corinthian church that hey we need to be separate because if you're having vain imaginations so is the world he said I've seen people in the other temple scattered around about yours that were dishonoring your body and you're dishonoring your body what makes you so different I've seen men and women and men and men and women and women laying around here in the gutters of Corinth and this is happening in the church. He says, what's so different? What's so... What is the thing that's commonly asked, Sister Craig? Someone brings in a chocolate cake. Man, it looks good. And they say, hey, this just isn't any chocolate cake. This is a special chocolate cake. And what happens? The interest is perked. Because that's just another chocolate cake. And what is the question that's oftentimes asked? Well, what's so different about your chocolate? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I believe there is a voice that's maybe not being spoken, maybe not being heard, but it's being uttered in the minds of people that surrounds this church, the church overall, and they're asking, if you say that you got something that's real, that's unbelievable, that I need to experience, then you tell me what is so different about it. You tell me what's so unique. You tell me what's so special. You tell me, oh, somebody hear me today. Oh, yes. I don't want them to have to scratch their head and do some type of deep analysis to find out what's so different about the church of the living God. I don't want them to have to go to the archives. I don't want them to have to ask a neighbor, but I want there to be something that's evident and relevant of how different and what is different. We are the church of the living God. The living God. Operation, separation, verse 14 in our reading tonight. Verse 14, the first question that was posed, and don't get nervous, I'm not going question by question. I may for a little bit. Hallelujah. But what, he says, 
What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Romans chapter number 6, and I still have plenty of scripture for you this evening. Romans chapter number 6. Verse number 12, but I think maybe I helped my wife out a little bit. I, I spent time in this afternoon, hopefully, giving her a little bit more direction. Uh, we'll see what God does with that. Listen to me now. 6 and 12. This is after he's went through the symbolism of crucifix, baptism, resurrection, repentance, baptism, newness of life. And he follows it up here with verse number 12. He says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Listen now. That ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Look at verse number 13. Neither yield, everyone say yield, your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But everybody say yield. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. There's something very important. If you look at verse 12, he says, and we, we spent some, I don't remember when. Man, it gets foggy when you do this three times a week when I did what. But he said, let. Everybody say let. Let not sin. He said, he uses that word yield in particular a few times there in verse number 13. In other words, in both accounts of using the word let and using the word yield a couple of times in verse 13, in both accounts, the power to let and the power to yield is an act of your will. It's an act of, everybody say, my will. That's something that the Lord does not force in your life. Your will. He didn't force the will of Adam and Eve when the choice was provided in the garden. And he does not force choices or decisions of the will of his people now. So what we do largely is contributed to what we allow ourselves to do. This is not a throwback on God scenario. Oh, I might jump ahead here a little bit. Let me preach tonight and tell you that God will save you from your sin. And God will save you from your sins. But God cannot and will not save you from your sinning. Because to do so would transgress your decision, your choice, the act of your will. Yes, he'll try to influence it by his word. He'll try to influence it by godly preaching, godly teaching, his word of God that you should read every day. He'll try to influence it like that. But the buck stops whenever you make a choice. And so we got a problem here. He's talking about surrendering our members as instruments unto unrighteousness or yielding our members as instruments unto righteousness. But here is the complexity of the matter. How can fellowship of unrighteous be with that of righteous? In other words, you cannot simultaneously yield your members as instruments unto unrighteousness and unrighteousness at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, hear me today. In other words, if you're yielding your instruments right now unto unrighteousness, you cannot be giving them to righteousness at the same time. But if you're giving yourself and your instruments unto righteousness, godliness, separation, holiness, purity, then there's no chance you can give yourself to unrighteousness at that very same time. 
Hallelujah. It's either one or the other. There's no mix or modeling of the water. It's unrighteousness or righteousness. There's no fellowship there. They don't shake hands, pat backs, and kiss faces. <laughs> There's no fellowship there. Walk with me here. Romans 6, and verse number 18. We're still in this Romans 6. Look at it now. He says, now if I thought we'd have it a slide made for this, but he says, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So let me just make it real simple. Free from sin equals servants of righteousness. Skip down to verse 20. Similar statement. For when ye were the, for when ye were the servants now of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Free from sin equals servant of righteousness servant of sin equals free from righteousness if I could state free from righteousness a different way because the little UN in front of righteousness just basically means not or if you will the opposite of whenever you're a servant of sin you're unrighteous yet whenever you're free from sin you're a servant of righteousness that's the equation this is the equals if I had a slide up there these are the equals so with that being so there isn't any fellowship between the two Hallelujah. There is no, there is no, there isn't any account where you can be unrighteousness equals righteousness. You understand what I'm saying? You're either a servant of sin, amen, and being a servant of sin, you're free from righteousness or you're unrighteous or you are free from sin, you're not bound by sin, and you're a servant of righteousness. Now look, verse number 22, same chapter. But now, being made free from sin, that interprets servant of righteousness. We learned that. Now being made free from sin, servant of righteousness, he says it like this, and become servants of God, that is righteousness. Look now, ye have your fruit unto holiness. <laughs> and the end, everlasting Life. So when you have been made free from sin, you become a servant of righteousness or a servant of God, and ye have your fruit unto holiness. Ye have your fruit unto sanctification. Ye have your fruit unto separation. Uh huh. There is a separation by nature when you become free from sin. There's a separation by nature when you become a servant of the righteousness of God. He says your fruit not may have, but if this is the path that you followed, your fruit will have an indication, a sign of separateness in your life. Someone say amen. amen. We gotta go on. I really gotta hurry. Whew. Man, I'm wearing y'all out and me too. Look at it now. Verse number 14, back to our main scripture text. Verse number 14, I told you, no, not every question, all right. What communion or what hath in common light with darkness? There's something we, we need to know from the outset right here that darkness isn't the presence of something. It is the absence of something. Darkness can't overtake light. Hear me? Because it is not a presence that's moving in that has substance. It is something that's void of something. So Paul, with this general real scientific study we got going on here is saying how can darkness and light commune because darkness isn't the presence of anything 
It's the absence of something. And darkness can't overtake light. What's it going to overtake it with? It's absence of light. <laughs> Listen to me now. Everybody. If darkness overtakes light perceivably, it's perceivably as though darkness has overtaken light, it's because light is withdrawing itself. I'm spilling water. <laughs> Darkness is, throughout scriptures had the connotation with you know, evil and wickedness and bad and light is that which is good and, and enlightening and, and prosperous and good things. Whew. If it's perceiving through your perception today in your own life, if we examine ourselves whether we be in Christ or not, if perceivably it seems like darkness is overtaking you, in your relationship with God? Somebody hear me. It seems like, man, darkness is really, it's encroaching in. It's, it's overtaking me in my walk with God. Not without there being a withdrawing of the light first. Mm. Honey, darkness will never overtake light as long as you continue with the light, walk with the light, have fellowship with the light, prosper and propagate the light. It can never, never, never overtake. The only way it can get the upper hand is if you start to withdraw, push out, shun the light. Uh-huh. So I read, I, I have to read scripture, man. We just got too much good Bible to not read it. In John chapter number one and verse number one, the scripture states these words. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the, everybody say light. And the light was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. <laughs> the light shined in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. It did not comprehend the light. To comprehend in New Testament Greek means this. The darkness did not lay hold of the light. The darkness did not obtain or attain the light. The darkness did not take possession of the light. So don't you tell me the next time, amen, things get dark in your life, that darkness overtook, took possession of your light. No, you gave up some light somewhere. You let go and surrendered and forfeited some light somewhere in order for darkness to enter in. First John. If you want light scriptures go together, just remember John 1 and 1 John 1. All right, easy to remember. First John chapter number 1. Sister McGee, you got me up there. Verses 5 through 7. I might read from up there. I don't know. I'm so excited. I just can't find 1 John. 1 John chapter number 1 and verse number 5. Here it is. The scripture, the word of the Lord. But then, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is, everybody say, light. And in him is, everybody say, no. Darkness at all. Now here comes this little fellowship word. <laughs> Communion, agreement, a concord, if you will. If we say that we have fellowship, how can light, <laughs> How can light commune with darkness? How can light agree with darkness? How can light fellowship with darkness? Scripture says, if you say that you have fellowship with him, that's the God that is light. If you say you have fellowship with him, hear me right now, amen. Oh, I've lost my place. And walk in darkness. <laughs> if you say you have fellowship with him, but you walk in darkness, oh, look at the scripture. We lie and do not the truth. <gasps> Why is that we lying? 
I tell you why. Because you can't have a fellowship, communion, cohabitation. You can't join yourself with light and still be impacted by darkness. You're stating an impossibility. You're stating what Paul was trying to point out. This cannot happen, brethren. Brethren, there's no way possible for this to take place. He goes on now, if you will, to the next verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, you cannot walk in darkness and be in fellowship with the light. Let me state it again. You cannot walk in darkness and still have fellowship with the light. It is an impossibility. But you can walk in the light and have fellowship with he who is the light all day long, honey. The blood of his son will cleanse you from all sins. Because if you're, listen, let's back up a little bit to that first verse there, Sister McGee, verse number five. Because if you're walking with, or you're having fellowship with this person, that's the light. It already gave us the description of the type of light that he has. There's no darkness at all. Honey, there's not even a shadow being cast here. I don't know what's going on. But that's, a pretty, that's a pretty intense thing. That there be no darkness at all. The blood of his son that will cleanse us from cleanse us from sin I like that I like that the blood of Jesus Christ his son going to cleanse me from sin man I'm glad I'm glad I'm a benefactor of that I'm appreciative of that matter of fact Psalms 51 and verse number 2 David crying out in his time of sorrow and sin he's, he's talking to God he's saying wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity cleanse me from my sin he states in verse number 7 if you could skip down Sister McGee he says purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me now I should be whiter than snow. I love those verses. I want him to cleanse me from my sin. I want him to purge me, cleanse me from my iniquity. Okay? But let's go back to our scripture setting now. And let's take a look at verse number 17. Let's look at verse number 17. He stated all these things, these questions that he had a predetermined answer in his mind, knew that they would come to the same conclusion. And he says, wherefore? Everybody say, wherefore? He says, come out from among them. Now there's something I want you to understand in what he's stating here in verse number 17. He's, he's making some statements that are some understood you statements. He's talking to the church at Corinth. Understood you. He's saying, if I could say it, he's saying you come, wherefore come out from among them. All right? He's saying, be ye separate. You, be you, be you separate. He, he's saying emphatically, he's saying, you touch not the unclean thing. And look at, and I will receive you. Mm -hmm. And I will receive you. I already stated to you earlier. I'm pray Man, I'm thankful. The blood of Jesus Christ saved me from my sin. I told you, God will save you from the sin. He'll send you from your sins and your sin, but not your sinning. Because that's within your hands. He can save you from your sin and your sins of having been an alcoholic. But unless you truly surrender and receive the guidance of His Scripture and His Spirit, you'll go back to the bottle and pick it up because that's your choice. Mm -hmm. Oh, we ever get this vague idea He's going to put us in this house of isolation. He's going to save us from sinning because He's going to not allow certain people come in our life. Mm. He's, going to allow, he's going to allow just temptations to stay at bay. Wrong. That's wherever you have a part in this thing called a relationship with God. He saved you from what you've done, what you did. But the ball's in your court. 
to make right choices, right decisions. It's predicated upon his word, upon his teaching, upon his preaching. I told you this morning, very briefly, T.F. Tenney, he said this. He said, Jesus saves you from sin. He said, but you must save yourselves from the world. He was speaking of Acts 2 and 40, where the Bible says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. God will save you from your sin, but you got to keep yourself from the world. Let me state it like this. I take my boy, and he can go out, and he can jump in a mud puddle, come in the house, and I'll clean him up. I'll do it 70 times 70. We'll do it 490 times because, well, one thing ain't going to have a dirty boy running around my house. But I'll clean him up all those times. The problem isn't in my ability to clean him up. The problem is not in my ability to clean him up. But the problem is in his own willingness to get dirty and choose that same old mud puddle again and again and again. Even though it doesn't please me. Oh, somebody hear me today. God, man, he can forgive you a thousand times a thousand. That's not the problem. The problem is people's willingness to go back to the same mire. Go back to the same pit. Go back to the same iniquity. Go back to the same bondage. Go back to the... My God! I'm ready to have a fit. He'll do it again and again. I've seen him do it again and again. Clean them again and again. Make them cleansed again and again. That's not where the problem lies. He has the cleaning power to do it as many times as it needs done. The problem lies in our willingness. We're not keeping ourselves from sinning. Because you know what that requires? Keeping yourself from sinning? Separation. Separation, holiness, sanctification. Mm. Oh, my, my, my God. Listen to me clearly. Separation is just not a negative act of departure, it is a positive act of dedication to God. Titus 2 and verse number 14. I really got to move along. My clock says I have four minutes to wrap this up. <laughs> You're going to be a sloppy wrapped up present, buddy. I'm doing you right now. Acts 2.14, speaking of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Thank you. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. That's what I've been talking about. But and purify unto himself a peculiar that's a special. That's a holy. That's a set apart. That's a sanctified. That's a separated people. Listen now. Zealous of good works. That word zealous means to defend and uphold a thing. To vehemently contend for a thing. Most eagerly desire a thing. He says, I'm going to cleanse the people from iniquity. I'm going to purify them as a special, set apart, different people unto myself. But honey, I want them to uphold righteousness. I want them to contend for righteousness. I want them to be the most desirous of separation and godliness. And oh, oh yeah. Early settlers, early settlers, whenever they were traveling in America, they denoted, they said, as we neared Montreal, the Ottawa River joined that of the St. Lawrence River upon which they were traveling. They were traveling upon the St. Lawrence River. And they said the former river, which was the Ottawa, was remarked or remarkable or known for its muddiness sister Angie Craig and they said the river that we were traveling upon was, was known for its cleanness and they said as a while for a little while these rivers ran side by side and a person could easily distinguish and see that the Ottawa was very muddy and the St. Lawrence River was very clear but somewhere further down the stream the two rivers combined and whenever
However, the rivers combined. They did not and were not clean, but they were dirty. How can the unclean have communion and agreement with the unclean? They can't, because let me tell you, they will not coexist. One will yield its identity to another. Hear me right now. Righteousness and unrighteousness will not coexist. One will yield its identity to another. Clean and unclean will not coexist. One will you oh yes, hear me right now. And I only know of one person that can bring a clean thing out of the unclean. Scripture says it's Jesus. And so for the most part, if you try to mix unrighteousness and righteousness, unrighteousness is going to win out. Uncleanness is going to... Will you say... Brother McGee, it's not always always that way. No, I'll admit, there's episodes I've seen happen. They haven't been that way. And they use that as the very thing to fall back on and say, well, see here. Well, let's take quality and let's take quantity. For all your ones that it went on and worked out, tell me what are the odds against the ones that didn't. I'm going to have to switch to a cordless. I don't know. Somebody already took my microphone. I see how you are. Now, I always forget sometimes to throw this in. Brother Freddie, you've got to remind me. Here's your ties. You know, your pastor, he forgets to throw his own ties in. Or Sister Rhonda, I plague her on Monday sometimes. Nobody else do that. That is just only a privilege I have. As a good safe. I got to share this. You and I have no scripture for this. Man, I'll... I don't know if we're going to have to do this next Sunday or what. Genesis chapter 28. Sister McGee, you may or may not be able to get there. I don't know. Genesis chapter number 28. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture so you just don't even worry about it. This is the story that Jacob came to a place. Listen to me now. He went to sleep. He had the vision of angels that were ascending, descending up the out, on the ladder, remember, whose top reached into the heavens, but it was set up on the earth. There was angels standing over it. And he began to tell him how I blessed your father Abraham, I blessed Isaac. He said, I'm going to bless you also. He started telling him, just unveiling these promises. And, and Jacob, he arose, he arose, listen to me, oh God, help me right now. He arose from his sleep, and, and, and he said, he said he was afraid. In verse number 17, how dreadful is this place? It's none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The verse prior to that, the Bible says that Jacob awoke and he said, surely this is the, this, surely this, the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. This is a dreadful place. This, this, is, this is the house of God. And the Bible says before he left that place, somebody listened to me very closely. The Bible says before he left that place, he called that place Bethel. The house of God. But what that place was named first when Jacob went there was Luz. Somebody hear me right now. And Luz was the place of separation. Before the house of God was ever known as the house of God, it was known as the place of separation. We need to get back to the origin. We need to get back to the place of commencement, the place of beginning. Honey, if the church is known for anything, it better be known as a place of separation first and foremost because that's what it was first named, a place of separation. Hetiabahiah. And you know what puzzled Jacob so much? Because I can't believe that God is in separation. The presence of the Lord is here and I knew it not. How can God be in this? Because I hear it today. You'll kill those people. You preach that separation, holiness, purity, sanctification. From, you ain't going to have nothing of God. Let me tell you, we're going to have more of God than what you think. You're going to shake your head and say, man, God's in this place. How could this be? They call it, he called it dreadful. But it was, in reality, after the day was done, powerful. i got to stop because, folks, let me tell you something. I can hold you here for 30 more minutes. Easy. All right? 
So just stand with me and we'll do us all a favor. Man, I'm going to see it coming next time. Next time I have trouble and I'm struggling for two and a half days for something. It's going to mean it's going to be there for four weeks, I guess. God. Operation separation. So we learn emphatically tonight, yes, unrighteous and righteousness cannot happen. Light and darkness cannot happen. Yes, I'm not preaching against that God ain't going to take care of your sin. He'll do it a thousand times. But you need to take care of your sin in. And we can't throw that back on. I can't believe God let me do this. Well, if he didn't let you do it, there went this whole thing of you having a choice in your life that he hasn't transgressed over since the beginning of time. What you need to pay attention to is godly teaching, godly preaching, other godly influences in your life. Because sometimes red flags go up and we close our eyes. And then we still want to blame God, blame God with the consequences and the results of our own choice and decision. Operation separation. Operation separation. Let's bow our heads in this place. Brother Mason, please come. Thank you all. You all have just been tremendous today. Just help me out tremendously. We, I think we found the same thing from this morning somehow. And let me tell you, that's a miracle because that's hard, that's hard sometimes to get on the same horse twice. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the Spirit of God in this place. This is the house of God, but this was a place of separation before it was ever the house of God. That's what the origin is. That's what the place of beginning is. If you want to have fellowship with Him, then get back to the place of separation. Get back to the place of separation. And I'm not going into everything and defining. There's just a separation. There's a distinct, there's a difference. There's something special. There's something holy. There's a noticeable difference. And please, please understand your pastor well and sure. Please don't go away tell, talking about how you're being overcome with darkness because you're giving up some light. Remember, you're giving up some light in order for that to take place. Giving up some light for that to happen. So I admonish you in this service. If that's the case, if you're withdrawing or giving up that light and darkness is invading and encroaching upon your life as a result of that, then get back in fellowship with the light. Because if you do, there's an impossibility of you being able to walk in darkness and being in fellowship with light. These altars are open tonight. If we bow our heads all across. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.